0: Would you or anyone you know be interested in the best of what we've learned from over 350 expert interviews, business expert interviews just like this one you're about to listen to? Plus, I'll share what we discovered spending $50,000 to go through over 100 years of business success research, thousands of evidence-based scientific studies on what really works. Visit bestbusinesscoach.ca for more info on how, in 90 days or less, you can get eight better business habits, or get three times your money back. That's 90 days to eight types of better business, fitness, and mindset habits. These will determine who survives and thrives in these unusual times and who doesn't. Visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. You'll discover our new business coaching and accountability program for business, fitness, and mindset all in one. You'll also learn how you can get over $11,336 in free bonuses for only one dollar. Go to bestbusinesscoach.ca for more info. That's bestbusinesscoach.ca like Canada or California. See you there. Urban Ski, U R B A N S K I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we are joined by a repeat guest and very dear friend, Micah Mitchell. Micah has been growing and automating online businesses since I was first figuring out HTML. And these days, he's helping businesses and membership site owners around the world grow more successful membership programs. Founder and CEO of Memberium, a tool for membership sites with WordPress finally made easy. It is the go-to solution for WordPress membership sites using Infusionsoft or ActiveCampaign. To help manage their members. Now, before we get started, I also want to take a second to mention if anyone out—if anyone out there is tired of the never-ending content creation demands of a membership site, or worried about keeping up with the production schedule, and if that's holding you back from getting going, uh, go to memberium.com right now. M-E-M-B-E-R-I-U-M.com right now. And at the bottom of the homepage, you'll see their free report: Nine Ways to Add More Value to Your Membership Site Without Having to Create More Content. I've asked Micah to join us here today because no matter what business you're in, you can only do better by being community-minded and membership-focused. So Micah, thank you for joining us, my friend. How are you?
1: I am doing great. Thanks for having me. It's always fun to talk to you, Daryl.
0: I know. Well, we, people don't know is we already talked for like an hour before we hit record. We're like, wait, we should do this podcast thing, shouldn't we? Yeah, let's get it going. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I mean, you got so much value to give. And, you know, we talked about before about being inch wide, mile deep and the value of focus. In fact, I got that acronym from you, follow one course until successful. Um, and I just love it. And I just you're such a, a good role model of that. And you've been Just driving things home with membership sites, you're really becoming the kind of the kingpin of and like the godfather of membership stuff to the point where major companies are wanting to get you involved in helping them out and and get their things up and running. And uh, I think there's just a ton of value to give because so many businesses, I mean, even if it's not an online membership site, even a restaurant would benefit from having a membership program of some sort. It's just such a... uh, a fundamental principle of business success, like build a community around you and nurture and grow that community. So I think this is going to be a great call for everyone that's listened in. They may want to check out our other interviews as well because I just, you know, you just can't be too much of an expert. So uh, Micah, what's kind of new and happening in the membership world? Like what are some of the major developments that you see or trends you see going on with a lot of your clients and customers?
1: Ah, uh, So, you know, the membership world, it's kind of funny because people have been selling content for a while and it goes through these I would almost call them cycles, where it's kind of really popular, and then it doles down a little bit. You know, a, a year or two ago, we had the learning management systems come out, like LearnDash, where mm-hmm. people can track their progress, and that was big. And then there's not been a ton of you know super new things, but there is one thing that we had requested so much, we built a feature. And Now we're starting to see that feature in other people's softwares as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if their clients are requesting it, or you know if they're copying from us or whatever, because we've kind of pushed it, but. It's, we call it parent-child access or maybe umbrella account access, and it's where one membership, like you buy a membership and you log in and you're actually able to add other people onto the membership. So for example, a business owner buys a membership and they log in and then they can add their team to train under them. Because in the past, what they would do is they'd buy, you know, for example, I've even done this where I buy a membership as the business owner. I don't really want to go through all that content. And so I give my login to one of my team members and I say, hey, go through this. Well, this new, this new thing with parent-child, it lets you add sub-members basically underneath you. So, mm-hmm. you. know, So I can buy a membership and then say, hey, I want my secretary to take these trainings and I want my sales team to take those trainings mm-hmm. and support to take these trainings. And the cool thing about it is when you combine that with the learning management system stuff, each person has their own tracking. So mm-hmm. instead of them logging into your account and marking a video as watched that you actually haven't watched yet, they log into their own account, which is a sub account of yours. They do whatever they're going to do, and it's all tracked specifically just for them. So all the quizzes, you know, all the completion tracking. That way, you can actually, as the business owner, look and see, hey, what are they doing? How far did they get? Um, so that's, really I think, powerful. the big thing. Yeah, and it's really given it like a third or a fourth dimension where it used to just be how much content can you have and how much can you gamify it, and now it's like, no, how how can we make one membership actually? multiply uh mm-hmm. for multiple members and some of them even being different based on their position so that's really i would say probably the most exciting thing
0: that is really exciting now i want to bring it back to a really fundamental question for anyone that's listening to this and hasn't listened to our other interviews yet uh and just talk about wh- why like isn't there so much free information out there why would someone anyone pay for information these days like why would you pay for membership program or site of some sort, if you can just Google it and find it free somehow?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, I actually love free training. I don't mind going and watching some YouTube videos. But when I have whenever I get serious about something, I'll actually go and actively look for a course because I know the difference between a YouTube video or a series of videos or whatever in a course is that the person creating the course had or usually, and if it's a good course, They have an intention or an outcome in mind for you where you can kind of go from point A to whatever point Z um, through the process of that course. Whereas, you know, in my research, at least on YouTube, when I'm going and learning about stuff, there's a lot of overlap. There's a lot of redundancy. You also don't quite know who to trust, you know, who's telling Mm -hmm. the truth. So I would say buying into a course, you're going to get a much more organized set of information that you can go through and retain and put to use better you know and it depends on the subject but to me it's like yeah that's that's definitely worth some money if the course creator does their job well mm-hmm. it's worth it for me in time to save
0: that's awesome now are there any types if there's anyone that's out there that's got a membership program going or they're even thinking of starting one or do you see certain types of membership programs uh having higher success rates than others you know is it, i don't know if that's the best way to phrase that question but hopefully you get what i mean uh-
1: I do. Yeah. And it's interesting. I was talking to somebody, uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago and they are really high up in the gymnastics world in the U S. And it was super interesting because they have like one of the best coaches as a partner who creates the content. Um, they're an internet marketer. They're kind of in that dream position that a lot of marketing consultants want to be in where they're partnered with a content um, specialist. Mm -hmm. And she was just kind of saying, well, at the end of the day, we just can't make that much money out of it. Um, you know, like youth gymnastics or gymnastics in general, that type of training through a membership site. Uh, and she's been at it for a long time. And um, ultimately, just to, you know, give the spoiler at the end, I did we did find a way and I did encourage her to go deeper with it. But what I took from that afterward, as I was thinking about it, is the B2C world consumers are not as likely to pay. Um, b2b a lot of them are doing really well because for business even if you go spend a thousand dollars on a course you you don't need too many nuggets and i know you know this daryl because we've been in masterminds mm-hmm. and stuff together one idea can be worth way more than you paid for the course and so i'd say b2b generally has you know people are going to get an roi on that and so they're much more likely to try things uh, buy things they're willing to spend a little more it's not a hard and fast rule but i'd say that is one of the Basic principles,
0: right? Yeah, if you can validate and prove an ROI on the investment, it makes it kind of a no-brainer. And it can be, again, in business. I mean, if I can, for a lot of people, depending how much your course is priced, it's a hundred dollars, it's two hundred, it's five hundred, it's a thousand. You know, how many new customers do you have to be able to help that person keep or get in order to make it worth their while. So I get what you mean by that as being a really powerful argument. Um, what do you see? Because now you've helped like thousands. I mean, how many? How many active? How many active sites do you have? You don't mind me asking under Mem- Memberium right now.
1: I don't know the total number, but I'd guess uh, – I know it was over 3,000 months ago, so probably between 3 and 4. could be over 4,000.
0: Right, which is huge. And I mean between those sites, there's mil- – is it – how many people – like how many seats? Like how many log – like I know Dave yeah. – yeah, that's –
1: I know, he's always counting it, and again, last time I had looked at that, it was about 8 million, so it could be over 10 these days, I'm not, I don't know.
0: So over 10 million active users using your software, that's a lot of data to be collecting and combing through and looking at. Um, When you go through these sites, do you feel that there's a lot of bottlenecks or phases or stages that people go through with their membership site?
1: Yeah, actually, so speaking of stages, and I I don't think we've ever talked about this, but uh, this last summer, I was freaking out a little bit because I had a live event and I had all these membership side owners coming in. And I was like, I got to figure out something to give these people, um, <laughs> you know, like something new and exciting. And it, it kind of came last minute, but it fits so well. And so since then I've been kind of working on and refining this concept, but basically, uh, if you don't mind me and I'll dive oh. into it a little bit, but oh. there's these four stages that we've identified. Okay. Um, and so the first stage is infancy. And that's where they have zero. So there's a number on each stage. Um, and I got this idea, the concept, um, I borrowed it from the book Ready, Fire, Aim. And, uh, and I'm, I'm sure they borrowed it from probably somewhere else. But <laughs> in stage one in infancy, you're between zero and 10 membership billings per month. So whether that's a monthly member or a one-time fee, whatever, just between zero and 10 billings related to your membership site or course per month. And so the main challenge there is you got to build the site. You don't know if it's going to sell. You got to build your initial sales messaging and so forth. Um, and the big opportunity is that if you can get a really basic site built and you can get a sales letter to convert, you get proof of concept. And so what most people don't realize, and I'll, I'll go through the stages and then come back to this, but the reason most membership sites that don't do well, the reason they fail, is because they're doing stuff for the wrong stage and. Always before, there wasn't a lens to view this through or something to measure it against. People would just see another membership site and they'd say, oh, I want to do what that guy's doing. And so they'd go try to build a community onto their site because that guy did it. Mm-hmm. Or they'd you know try to gamify it to death. Right, somebody else did. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah and it's, they'd get way ahead of themselves because if you don't have a couple members or your concept isn't proven, um, at least at a minimum you could waste a lot of money. And Mm. I've met a lot of people, I'm sure you have too, who (laughs) have wasted a lot of money and then found, hey, this doesn't sell as well as I thought it would. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of that first, that infancy stage is just to kind of prove concept and get the site built. And most people's challenge there is technical. Like they got to learn how to build a site because it's their first site. They got to develop content. Um, And then they have to know how to sell a little bit. But once you get out of infancy, the next stage, childhood, is between 10 and 100 and this is where your main thing, and this this is the basically the one people skip the most, the only thing you focus on in childhood is sales. So if you get a basic concept up in infancy, you don't go start improving it. You don't say, hey, this is, you know, it works. Let me go add more content or more features for my customers. Let me increase the value of what they're buying, right? That's mm. what most people think. But the reality is, no, you really haven't proven the concept. And if you can't get up to 100 billings a month, you shouldn't be doing this because at most fees even up to let's say 97 a month that's only 10,000 a month and if you're running a site and a CRM and some marketing software and some hosting and you know you've you've invested your own time into it you want to make a little bit more right mm-hmm. so at least you want to get to that 100 so basically in childhood it's between 10 and 100 and the biggest challenge is sales and the biggest opportunity is If you can get a sales message that works, like something direct response or evergreen that, hey, this works consistently and can get you over 100 members, then you go to the third stage, um, which is adolescence. And this is between 100 and 500. And in adolescence, this is where you're really going to do what you want to do, which is improve the user experience. This is where the number one issue. So. You know, in the first stage, you don't know what you're doing. That's the challenge. The second stage, getting sales and leads is the challenge. The third stage, it's like, okay, I got over 100 a month in billings here, uh, meaning 100 separate billings, whichever they may come from. Um, But at this stage, then your problem becomes retention, because now that you can get customers, can you keep them? Um, And so that's why now it's like, okay, now gamify, now add a community, now do all the things that so many membership site people um, will preach to you. But they don't tell you, don't do this in the beginning. And that's Mm. where it's like, no, you got to wait until you have enough sales coming in. Then when you go optimize the system and you learn how to keep people longer, you've got a steady flow of customers and the business starts to accumulate versus just kind of spin the wheels. I love that Um,
0: because a lot of people in their business, especially, and I want to point this out because I think this is a really important point. Like there has to be a steady flow in your business. Like there just, there has to be lead flow. There's so many people that are caught in a feast and famine mode with their business. And a lot of times it's because the person that's delivering the product or service is also the one that's getting new clients. And it's so powerful and important to be able to have both functions operate interdependently so there is a steady flow of new people because of that exact reason. So you know whether you're an agency and you're going from onboarding new clients and and taking care of them versus getting new clients to onboard, you know, or whatever that business is, I love what you're saying here is like let's make sure there's a river of flow before you go through all this headache and hassle to build all these operations and systems and invest all this time, energy and money in, in optimizing things. Make sure that there's this is not going to go away anytime soon, right? Like if you can get to 100 sales per month or 100 recurring membership member subscribers and you can maintain that because there will always be attrition, right? That's the big goal first. That gives you a volume and a mass enough to test to be able to see meaningful movements. And if you can't get there, is that really what you want to spend the next 5, 10, 15 years of your life building around? Even if your plan is to sell it, it's probably not going to happen in less than five years, right, depending on what stage you're at. And so I just love that you're talking about that, like just get the river flowing because so many businesses don't even think about that. And it's such a reactionary thing. And I I just wanted to stop to point that out for any audience listeners that that kind of grazed over them. Like Mike has already uh, fleshed out three stages, and the very first is a minimum viable product and a proof of concept sales pitch. And then it's scaling that to where you have a repeatable, scalable, and ideally automated. And automated doesn't necessarily mean all machinery, but you've got training programs, systems, and key staff in place to do it. So you as the owner are not the one focused on that. And you can scale that up to something that's meaningful. Here, a 100 sales or 100 uh, recurring payments per month. And then the focus is on retention and scaling it to 500. Did I get that correct, Micah?
1: You did, yeah. Perfect. Nice.
0: Okay. Sorry. Now go from there. So we're at adolescence. What happens now?
1: Yeah. So in adolescence, you basically keep improving it, you know, and you can always obviously improve the second stage as well, the sales. Um, but part of the reason just to touch back on it, part of the reason I'm so adamant about people not moving on until they hit a hundred is, is like you said, you know, it's not really worth your time until you get there, but also most people underestimate how hard it really is to work on their sales funnel. I mean, Mm. especially, I've found membership site people, content creators who are specialists in an area, which is why they're even thinking of starting a site, they're usually not salespeople. Mm-hmm. And so getting them to really buckle down and, and work on that um, is important because, yeah, then they'll find out. You know, If it doesn't work, if you can't get to 100, just like you said, it's probably time to bail, and thank goodness you didn't go do all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, after stage three, so after adolescence, now you're saying, okay, I've passed 500, which means I've learned to get them. I've learned to keep them. Then 500 and above is maturity. And this is where actually your focus shifts to building new products, building upsells, starting a mastermind, um, you know, building down cells, basically creating more products. And again, most people get ahead of themselves. They listen to some guru and they think, oh, I need this whole like universe of products in order to make this work. And they go start building them without anything yet working. And mm. so it's kind of if you do these things in order it's like okay now I have 500 plus customers if I go build another product chances are I'm going to be able to sell a few of them to these 500 people who are already paying me mm. so um, at that point it becomes really profitable to start a mastermind but you know i uh you've probably seen this too I know I've talked to several people who try to start a mastermind and they just don't have enough of a pool to draw and even if they're mm. pretty popular if they don't have a paying customer base who they can you know, quote, upgrade Mm -hmm. into the mastermind versus Mm -hmm. just sell it from scratch, it becomes pretty hard. So, uh, yeah, stage four, basically the big challenge is creating new products and learning to upsell and cross sell. And the big opportunity is you can increase the value of every single customer coming in. And so once you're through stage four, then you can repeat all you want, you know, build another product, start at stage one with another product or improve sales, whatever you want to do. But like I said, most people fail because they're doing the stuff from the other stages in the wrong stage.
0: Mm, mm, mm. And what I love about the, just this model that you gave is that uh, we both know Brad no. And one of the things that when I, I had him on this show, another great interview was he gave me this quote. I love it all the time. He says, when you look up entrepreneur, entrepreneur in the dictionary, it says a person who organizes a business or businesses. What it doesn't say is the person who answers the phone, you know, mops the floor, cleans the toilet, does the taxes, makes a sale, delivers a service. Like it, you know, it's not that one person that does everything. And the model that you just fleshed out, it's like getting something up, running, scaling, kind of operating on its own. And then you can repeat it. And what I love is like you mentioned cross selling. So maybe you get to maturity with your first product. You get past adolescence. You're doing 500 plus billings per month. Uh, for this product and now you go, okay, I'm going to launch this new product and that can feed and if you're smart there's a way and a bridge between what you're selling so there's some sort of transference between them where customers can jump from one product to the other or graduate from one to the other but you still kind of build that one maybe as an independent silo so that way they each, like, you have some diversity happening and diversity leads to stability. To now where you're building a business that's got like one, two, three legs of income, right? Three legs of customers that's sharing between all of them. And if you go through this process and all, I just think it's a really powerful method, especially because the big focus on getting the scalable, repeatable sales process, you know, in the childhood, because that, that's, you just need to have that happening. You know, if you've, maybe you would say something different if, uh, there is a big fire going on where they might be making a sale. You know, but they're getting a high number of refunds. I mean, is that would you say that retention might be an earlier issue in the beginning if some things are like really wrong, or would you still say just focus on the sales as much as you can? And how would you handle that? Is there like a line someone should know of? Is there a ratio someone should be aware of? Like, look, I know I said stage one and two are you know mostly sales and minimum viable product, but if you're getting more than twenty percent refunds or you know twelve percent refunds or I don't know, if you're getting death threats, go ahead and like, like. um yeah, what would you say would be something reasonable to 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 tell someone whether it's because I as the owner any refunds feel like too many, especially if you're new and starting out.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm glad you brought this up because a couple of things one this is a little industry dependent, you know, not every industry is going to hit on these exact numbers. They're kind of more rule of thumb. Sure. Um and two, it depends on the entrepreneur. It depends on their budget, whether they've done any of this before, how well they how well known they are in the industry because for example, when I go out and start a site, um, I do make some calculated choices. For example, I launched a membership last year, and I decided in the beginning, no, we're not going to start with a community. No, we're not going to start with a couple of these things, including even the high level of gamification. And I know the site's going to work. I've done all this a million times. I have staff. You know, I can pay to get it all done. Even then, I pretty much followed my own rules. And now, you know, we got like 200 sales kind of right away. And so it's like, okay, now we can work on retention. Um, but I wasn't hundred percent sure we'd get them. And I don't think we would have gotten them if we would have gotten ahead of ourselves because we spent a long time on sales. So, um, what I would say is there's, again, these are, these are a little, you know, general, Mm -hmm. you, you don't have to wait until exactly hundred, but yeah, to your point about the refunds or a really, you know, product that just isn't hitting, Obviously, that could be a couple of things. It could be that your sales message is off; it doesn't match the product. But if the product's really just bad, you know, mm-hmm. um, back up and yeah, I mean, fix. I would say you're kind of back in stage one. If you're getting ten sales, but one or two are refunding, well, you're really getting eight or nine sales. Right. Um, if you're so, I would only count the sales that stick. I guess is mm-hmm. part of that. Uh, right. And also, yeah, if you're anything above maybe five or ten percent refunds, uh, look, you know question, did you really prove the concept here or are you just a really good salesperson and it doesn't match the product?
0: Right, right. That's perfect. And that's exactly what I want. Just some sort of rule of thumb for people because people can't be afraid of getting refunds. Your product's not for everyone. And in fact, I know that the late great Gary Halbert even said, you know, if you're not getting some refunds, you're probably not selling your product hard enough. There's people that would benefit from your product that you're not trying hard enough to convince for fear of upsetting someone. And it's not no skin off your back, just give them the refund, you know, just have ethical business practices. And it's okay for someone to try something out and not like it, not want it, you know. Uh, and that's where I've asked for that rule just to help because I know for business owners it can be difficult to separate the two. So, now that's fantastic. So let's just do a quick recap for that. Again, people listening, I hope you got a pen to write her down. We had infancy, childhood, adolescence, maturity. Infancy, proof concept, get sales, make your basic site. Childhood, that's just sales, just sales, sales in a scalable, repeatable, uh, process. And then adolescence, is a hundred to 500 billings per month. And Micah, is this true? Whether no matter the price point of your product, whether it's a $50 course or it's a $50 a month course or it's a 500 a month course or $500 one time fee course, you just want the, the, cause you're, you're very specific. And that's kind of what I want to ask about is, uh, you know, because it's almost it's easier for people to be successful with these goals, perhaps if it's a recurring bill. But you were just it, you kind of lump them together. It doesn't matter if it's a one-time fee or a monthly fee. You want this many billings per month, and I just want to ask, kind of, what's your reasoning for that?
1: Uh, there's a couple things. One is you want to. It's like if you survey 10 people, you can't really trust those results as well as if you survey 100. So you want a big enough sample size Mm -hmm. um, of just people regardless of how much money they have. But it it definitely does vary um, based on the industry and whatnot and budgets and experience and all that, like I said. But I would say that, yeah, it is really more based on sample size. And especially if you look at maturity where we're going to say, hey, let's upsell a higher level product and make more money. Well, even if you have 50 people paying you a good amount of money, if you can only convert 10%, if you can only convert five of those people into the next level, is it worth it? And right. if the answer is you know yes or 5%, two and a half people, is it worth it? So you can kind of extrapolate the numbers and decide, is it worth it? Mm-hmm. But yeah, the reason is is it's like any business, and we're not talking huge numbers, right? Like uh, 10, 100, 500. And so it's like any business, even if you have a slightly higher price point, I'd say it's a pretty safe, um, you know, pretty safe rule of thumb. And again, if you are super stoked cause you're charging a thousand dollars a month and you get a hundred people and you're at a hundred grand a month, heck I'd, I'd go for an upsell before I <laughs> get too crazy, you know? So, so yeah, it will vary, but most people, you know, where they're in that hundred ish range or sub 100 range on their billings, yeah. uh, that's really who I've got in mind. And then the higher level, you could probably cut some of those numbers in half.
0: Sure, sure, sure. No, of course, and again, it, it is a bit by field, but I, I think this is a great rule of thumb. Now, we beat the drum about building a team a lot here on the show, and I wanna ask, in your experience, are there certain key members that a, a person should have? Maybe they already have a site up and running, but you know they're, they're kind of a one-man show or one-woman one, one woman show, or maybe they're not and they have a team. Is there like an outline? Of course, it's going to depend on industry and skill set and that, but generally speaking, are there c- certain roles that you've found is kind of fundamental across all different types of membership businesses?
1: You know, um, that's a really interesting question because – so many of these people I know really well, you know, and they talk to me about their employee, um, issues and things like that. And I've kind of seen two basic patterns. Either people will get someone like them to take work off their own plate, or they'll get someone who's the opposite of them to, to compliment them, right. To take Mm -hmm. care of the stuff that is in their weakness. And, um, the way that I would look at it, if I was starting a membership site today is I would try to at least get through infancy myself. Um, through a little self study. And five years ago, I wouldn't have said that because the technology was too hard. But nowadays it's like, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a million ways to build this with no technical experience. You can just go with a product that's easier, right? right. Could, like memberium. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I'm, I don't even mind saying other things I'm saying like, if you, if Membrium's too hard for you, go to like you or whatever, you know, uh, just make it happen. Um, but I'd say, yeah, the people who you've got to have to me, or at least I should say for me because of my personality type. Um, I need somebody who's a finisher and I need someone who's a, a J, like very um, judging, very rule-based, very on top of things. I need that person to compliment me because if I get somebody just like me, we're going to both have the same problem. It's not going to be great. Um, but I have seen other people who they, they hire a clone of themselves and then they kind of just work through the clone, right? They provide maybe the voice or the face, And then they tell the other person to do all the stuff that they can do, but they're just trying to scale. So, um, probably a better way to answer this is I would say, get to know yourself a little bit more, like Mm -hmm. do as many, uh, self profiling things as you can to understand yourself and the other personality types that are available. And then just make that decision. Like, do you want another one of you or do you want the opposite of you? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like in relationships, um, you know, like romantic relationships or whatever. If you have someone who's too much like you, that can be really good in a lot of ways. But then when you guys face a challenge that's neither one of your strengths, it can be really hard. And the Mm -hmm. flip side is, if you're the opposite, you complement each other really well. But when you're off, you're really, Really far off. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So well said. So now what about the retention part? Or, yeah, like how, so we talked about our... Is there a preferred method for getting sales? Let's kind of walk through that because I'm trying to, I'm trying to make this complete because I know you've got the goods and I really want, I know that this call can be life changing for a lot of the listeners here. So I want to make sure I go through them all. But yeah, when in getting the sales process up for anyone that is stuck in uh, infancy or childhood or even in adolescence and in the early stages of adolescence, because I know it's mostly about retention, but are there, How would you sell a membership program? I've heard people say, like, you can't sell subscription or it's hard to sell subscription to someone else. Some people, like, if you got to sell subscription, you got to use premiums, you know, or something like that. Like, what do you, through all the membership sites you've seen, what are some common rules of thumb that you would recommend for the audience?
1: Hmm. Um, Yeah, it's, (laughs) it's so interesting because there's so many different people, and I, I wanna make sure and articulate this properly so I don't sure. injure someone, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah, no, no, that's fine. Um, but even just like, is a sales page versus a video sales letter versus a phone call versus a webinar, is, you know, is yeah. there, is there, a perf- so, yeah, go.
1: No, thank you, yeah, that, that helps me out actually. Um, so in the very first stage, I encourage people in um, infancy, I encourage them to just write a basic sales letter. And if they don't know about direct response copywriting, To go get something, you know, John Carlton, whoever, go study that stuff. Even if that's not your strength, you're never gonna make it if you don't study that stuff. Or you can pay through the nose for someone who's really good at it. But I say that because usually the content person, they are a good salesperson in person, right? They Mm. can sell anybody who's standing next to them because they're the expert. Mm -hmm. But translating that into a sales letter is such a huge skill. And the sales letter is kind of the basic piece. If you want to run a webinar, if you want to make a video, if you want to do any of these other things, none of them are going to work if you can't write a sales letter, if you don't know the basics, right? Mm. And so in infancy, I tell people, you're going for a sales letter, don't get fancy, because if you can't get that sales letter to work, Uh, at least to a degree, you know, you can lower the price to a dollar. But if you can't get that sales letter to work at any price, you're not going to get the other mediums to work. As soon as you get out of infancy, and I say that partially so they don't get lost in the technical and all the rest of these um, Mm -hmm. other ways you can sell. In infancy, that's where I say, hey, you have, uh, not in infancy, sorry, in adolescence when they have over 10 people billing a month. That's when I say, now try every single medium you can. So all the things you just mentioned, do them all. You know, you have your sales letter already, all you're doing in this stage anyway is just selling, turn it into a video, turn it into a webinar, create more lead magnets, find more partners who are, who you can, you know, interview or they can interview, um, interview you. And that's, I would say one of the bigger things too, is as soon as you get a couple direct response pieces, uh, and, and saying this to someone who's never done it, it kind of seems a little flippant, like, oh yeah, you say it's easy, but I, you know, it doesn't seem easy from here. But it's kind of like you have to have enough faith to get that sales letter done because then another door opens and you can build a couple more things. And once you've done that, another door opens, meaning once you have a couple little pieces in place, that's when I would say interview everyone in your space. Mm. Most people are not going to say no to an interview. So you say, hey, can I interview you? Hey, can I interview you? Pretty much they're all going to say yes. You can create all this content and all these relationships And all this exposure, because many of them, when you post that interview, will contact their list and say, "Hey, I was just interviewed by so and so. Here's a link to it." Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, from a traffic perspective, I like in the membership space um, interviewing other people and obviously getting on as many of their shows as you possibly can. Mm -hmm. But if you're just getting started, that's the best way. to Ask if you can interview them. Mm -hmm. And um, but if you have, if you're going into all these mediums, like I said, videos, webinars, whatever. And just do one at a time. You don't have to jump off on all of them, but you keep doing one at a time and you keep building influence by interacting with the people in your space until you get over 100. And by that time, usually you've got enough pieces in place and momentum. That's usually what gets people there. It's not like most people don't hit a home run you know, by hiring someone to make them a sales video mm-hmm. or hiring someone else to write them a sales page. It occasionally happens, uh, but usually I would say if you're just getting started, learn direct response. And the reason I say that, and I I would encourage people so strongly to do that is one, I know most of them don't know it, you know, even uh, there's somebody who I've known for a long time, you might've been in a mastermind with them um, at one point, but they were showing me all the cool stuff they were doing and all these different things. And I just said to her, I said, okay, that's great. Um, Can I challenge you a little? And she was like, yeah, you know, she's pretty spunky lady. Uh, And I was like, I don't want you doing any of that stuff anymore. None of it. You can't do it. You got to hand it off to your lady. And she had someone who was like her, you know, someone she was training. I said, that's that person's job from now on. All you can do is sales. That's the only thing you can do for the next 30 days is sales. So copywriting, marketing, sales, any book, any course, anything you can try, that's all you get to do. And you know, I, I told her if she did that, that I would talk to her again in two weeks, you know, and then I talked to her again in another two weeks and she was good enough to go kind of chase it down. And it really changed their whole business because always she was such the, you know, the technical person. Um, she thought she was an entrepreneur, but she really just liked doing everything herself, you know, to your thing, like Brad says, and I love when he talks about that. Um, it's getting her to shift into a sales mindset. It's like, look, you're already the expert. You're not going to lose that by becoming a salesperson. But if you're an expert who can sell, now you're going to kill it.
0: Mm, 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 mm. Very well said. Very, very, very well said. And I love that. That's a really good format too. Cause if you get the basic sales letter done, you have all the pieces you need for anything else that you would do, but it'd be really hard to do a webinar and not know where you lost people. Mm hmm. So, Awesome. And again, I'm sure everyone listening to this definitely sees the value in this call. Let me ask about the one last piece that I think is really important to this and probably the only other thing we could get done in this call today. And that would be the retention part. You know, how, community building. How do you create an engaged community? How do you retain people? Is there any kind of fundamental pillars or foundations that anyone with a, any type of business should really consider?
1: Yeah, so uh, community is a huge one because a lot of people will stick around just because they feel like they're in the right spot, Mm -hmm. Um, meaning they want to be involved. They want to feel in touch and kind of on the edge versus behind. And so if you create – the way to create that anyways obviously is with the community and with your content. But the community piece in particular, uh, if you're going to go that way, obviously wait until adolescence. I'm sorry, wait until – you're far enough along because otherwise your community is going to be a ghost town. And that's most people's problem is they can build the most technically advanced community with all these cool features and notifications and, you know, peer to peer stuff. Uh, But if there's nobody in there, it doesn't work. And so one thing I'd say is wait a little bit before you start it. Um, Or there's a, there's a other side to that. But if you wait until you start it, then you can start it with a bang. You know, you invite everybody in and then you yourself as the leader need to lead that community for the first while. And like I said, I started a site last year, chose not to put a community in because I knew I wasn't up to you know, conversing with them for the first while to get that thing going. And so it's like, okay, I'm gonna wait so that when we do start it, I'll already have some content planned. And there's a couple examples. So I was doing a case study with a client and it was a lady who kind of manages the website and the marketing for her husband. So her husband is the content expert and I'm on this case study with her And their site's not, you know, they don't have too many members yet, but she's showing it to me and their community is super active. Like I'm watching it and I'm seeing the notifications come up, you know, like one minute ago, so-and-so did this (laughs) kind of stuff. And so I asked her, I was like, what, what is the deal here? You know, you don't, I mean, they barely have like a hundred members. And she said, well, my husband, he decided that for the first hundred days after launching the site, he was going to have, he was going to basically start a topic of conversation every day for the first hundred days and actually go back and forth with people, you know, not all day, but he was going to respond to the people who responded to him posting every single day. So he kind of took the lead for the first hundred days to get the community going. And then he left it alone and they just kept going. So that's one thing is you can kick it off. You don't have to stay there forever, but I think in the beginning, you got to be heavily involved because they, they frankly don't want to talk to your team. They know you, like if you're the personality and the salesperson, they're going to flip out if they get access to you and can talk to you. That's, that's kind of, You know what they really wanted they didn't Mm -hmm. want your content they wanted to ask you all their personal questions without having to do any work so (laughs) um right so you kicking it off is a big deal and another thing and, and so this is the way around having to wait all the way until adolescence to do it and that is you can create a free community within your site so the community can be free not a member benefit um at least initially And you can have your content separate, right? So you can kind of have both. And the reason I say free is it's a lot easier to get more people into there. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So I've seen a few people do, hey, the community part is free. I'm doing that to kind of build up mass. And then the courses are on the side of it. And obviously, they kind of market it through their community. And another way, and this was, I thought, pretty clever. A client of mine, they, when they first were going to roll out their membership, it wasn't their first site, so they kind of had a following and some customers. But they basically said, hey, it's going to be, whatever it was, like $40 a month. Um, But we're going to have a one-time offer of 40. You know, the monthly fee is going to be the lifetime fee until we get our first, I think it was 500 or so members. And so they did that, and it's like, well, they're throwing away money, but at the same time, they front-loaded their community with 500 raving fans who are going to love them forever, and they're never going to cancel because they bought a lifetime fee. So instead of the early turnover most communities have, they have a built-in, you know, basically community mm. management system of all these lifetime members who love them. And then those people keep all the people who come afterwards. So depending on the size of your influence, you know, you don't have to do 500. But just saying bringing in some lifetime people is a good way to preload a community. Bringing in some free people is a good way to preload it. Otherwise, wait. Uh, in in any of these cases, I would say as the owner um, or the face or whatever, Really being active for the first while to get people in that habit, and then slowly kind of pulling back until they're conversing on their own.
0: Mm -hmm. Those are some great uh, tactics and strategies that you've mentioned, and even just some good numbers to aim for, like for a hundred days engage, engage for a hundred days. Put that, make that a to-do item in your calendar because you know that you're investing in something for the future. You know that these people will respond, and you know that it'll create a lifeblood and and the lifetime member as well. These people have buy-in; they feel a sense of ownership. You know, you're leaving a bit of money on the table, but uh, it gives you the proof of concept, the initial sales. And then, like you say, those people that have a reason, like a stake in this, like uh, people tend to really own things in certain respects. Right. When you tell someone they own something or that they're a lifetime member or something, if they value it in any way, shape or form, they will they will police the community for you right? Because that's their ownership. This is my house. What are you doing? I'm going to be here for life. I don't want you in here posting this random, you know, this stuff. So that's, that's really, really powerful. So now would you say that's one of the most important components for retention is community? Is there anything else that we should be aware of?
1: Uh, I would say it is probably the most important, you know, so you've got your content, um, you've got your community and There's a lot of different models. So I have sold a subscription membership site where there was no community and there was no ongoing content. Mm -hmm. Um, And still people bought it on subscription and paid on it for years. And it Mm -hmm. wasn't that I was trying to take advantage of them. It was, hey, at the time we didn't have the parent-child stuff. It was, hey, uh, go through this training, um, but you're probably going to want to keep it because when you have turnover in your business, for example, you're going to want the new guy trained as well. So you know basically hang on to it your price is locked in and as more people on your team come in you can send them through the training as well so i look at it as kind of how you position it meaning you don't have to have a community you don't have to always be creating content obviously those things will help but the parent child is another piece to this especially with b2b where you can say look you're going to have turnover in your customer service you're going to have turnover in your sales team Those new people will always need this training because you want your business to be consistent. Mm -hmm. You want everyone, you know, obviously doing the same thing. So you present uh, a consistent experience to your customers between people, but also over time. And so I I guess what I'm saying is uh, there's a lot of people who have a lot of, you know, kind of tactics and ninja tricks and so forth. But if you back up and you look at the strategy of it, it's like, well, what do you as a business owner want? Do you really wanna be creating content every month? If so, that's totally cool, go for it uh, and that will help. But if you don't, figure out why somebody would wanna stay. And if it's all the community, really invest you know, as far as you can that way. But um, the last one, and this kind of touches back on what you had said, you know, kind of how we started the call, which was um, why there's so much free information out there. Um, why would someone not just take the free info versus become a member? And this, the third C is where you curate. So mm. one of the things that I see as valuable is just kind of not quite providing new content, but saying, hey, this is now outdated, you know, do something else instead. And here it is. Mm. So even just pruning and then talking to people about how my goal here is to save you time. I don't want to overwhelm you with more information. I actually want to make your life easier and just give you the essence and distill it down and so forth.
0: Mm, 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 mm. I love that. Yeah, that's excellent. And we also mentioned at the beginning, I'm doing the plug for you, Micah, because I've known you for... I don't even, I, we're probably going on somewhere like 10 years or so now. So I know you've got the goods and I value your friendship and relationship so much. I plugged at the uh, your free report, Nine Ways to Add More Value to Your Membership Site Without Having to Create More Content. So again, if anyone didn't manage to catch that or didn't write it down, you can go to memberium, dot com right now. And at least when I saw on the homepage, on the bottom, very bottom of the homepage, you'll see their free report. I'm sure if you click around the site, you'll see it in other places as well. And that can give you some other ideas for ways to be valuable without having to make more content. Because there's a lot of different things that you can do, you know, even things like if you have video or audio content, you don't have to do it. You can hire someone. You can hire VAs overseas or agencies for pennies on the dollar and have them transcribe it, create reports out of it. You can get interns to work for free to help create some of this stuff. Kids that are just looking for a real-world experience in a business – there's a lot of different ways to slice it. I know that this is a great PDF. And so if anyone's looking for ways to do that and get out of having to keep up with a production schedule, highly recommend you go get Micah's ebook. Um, yeah, Micah, this has been such an action packed, like dense nugget filled call. I really want to encourage the listeners to go back and listen to this once or twice more. A lot of this was about membership based businesses, but this almost applies to any type of business. In general, like the stages that you mentioned, you know, you talk about for memberships, but that's even why I asked, is this based on recurring or one-time billings for a business? Your bills are due every month. So even if you're not in a recurring business, you need to be able to get your sales volume up to pay your bills, right? You know, like that's so I just love the stages that you went through because I think that's such a really key and important thing for any business and uh, again, every business would benefit from having a community built around it, a restaurant, a hair salon, uh, uh, even a plumber, like to be part of a community, to a martial arts school, a uh, software tool. I mean, it's all, this applies to every type of business out there. So it's just a really good call. I encourage people to listen to it again, take some notes, make the list to do, to delegate, to buy in the next 30 days, to learn more about uh, based on what you've heard. Now, Mike, is there anything that I didn't ask you that I should have asked you?
1: You know, I don't think so. I I mean, I appreciate that we stuck to the fundamentals because sometimes I get lost in little things. And, yeah, I think we kind of hit on some of the fundamentals. So mm. I, I don't think so.
0: <laughs> well, I love the fundamentals for – and I learned this from martial arts. And this is – Because, I mean, I taught martial arts. People that are new to the show, you may not know, but I I have a martial arts background, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. And one of the things that I learned is at some point in my career, I got really caught up in some of these new fancy techniques and moves that were coming out. But something that really hit home was I remember watching some of these guys at the world-class black belt level championships. And they were winning with basic fundamental stuff that we were learning and teaching to our brand new people in their first month. And Greg Glassman, I do CrossFit, and Greg Glassman's got this great paper he wrote on virtuosity. And he talked about virtue is doing the common uncommonly well. And that's when it kind of clicked for me because I'd watch and I'm like, these black belts are doing fundamental things so well that other black belts who also know these fundamental things see it coming but can't stop it from happening to them. And so there has to be that trans, uh, not to that transparency, there has to be that transcendence where it has to be functional functional at every stage of business. And that's what I think, like, again, why this call calls on fundamentals, but it's just, it's, it's, what's going to work some shiny new thing or AI technology. It might sound great and shiny and new, but the stuff we've talked about today, I mean, this has worked for literally hundreds of years in business, you know, like minimum viable product, first 10 sales a month, scale your sales to a hundred, you know, now focus on like, it's just, it's, it's, I just think that what you described in this call would have worked if someone had listened to this a hundred years ago and was just getting started and it'll probably still work a hundred years from now. So I just think it was really good information to provide. And I think anyone that's listening to this really needs to get involved. Check out memberium.com, get some sort of community portal up and running for your business. Any type of business you have, you would definitely benefit from having a community or some sort of training. And even if it's not a membership site for customers, you could still do one for internal Uh, For training your staff, you could do one for training affiliates that market your business. Anytime you've got to train someone in a repeatable method, uh, there's room for a membership site. Micah, you guys have a few different purposes for uh, membership sites. What are they again? you got a list of them, right? Do you remember them all?
1: Uh, so you mean like internal training versus an add on for clients and all that?
0: Yeah, there's, well, no, I mean the different types of membership sites, like there's a staff training portal, there's a customer membership site, there's oh, gotcha. like, a, like an affiliate training site. There's one where, what else, where were they? I know you got them. Hold on. Let's load them.
1: Yeah. So when I, when people ask about like what you can do with it, um, I like to think of it as anything that requires a login. So, yeah, your affiliate has to log in maybe to get their links. I would give them some training along with those links. Mm -hmm. Your employees, you get them to log in for training. That's a huge, like, Mm -hmm. I always say, and I I should have touched on this a little bit, but every single business really does need a membership site because just for your staff, you know, honestly, Mm -hmm. everyone knows, hey, I should create staff training. Nobody does it. I, I think partially because they don't know where exactly it would go. So, you know, a membership site for your staff, a membership site for your partners, and what most people miss, too, is you don't have to be selling content. I would make a membership site, and just like you've said all along here, a community, no matter what type of business it is, I would make a site as a bonus for customers, right? Even the plumber mm. can have some training in there where they have mm. to log in for how to whatever, snake your own drain or whatever yep. it is. Yep. Um, and then they're going to call that plumber back next time versus the next guy in the phone book. So okay. every business needs a membership site. For anyone they interact with build an area in there for that person mm-hmm. um, It's I mean I'm obviously biased, but I really really believe in that.
0: Yeah no I'm biased too and I don't even have a membership software tool. so I'm telling my audience members go go check it out. definitely check it out and like Micah said, you know if memberium seems to complicate get something else but you need it in your business and if you do get stuck or you have any troubles, Micah is the the best expert I know of on this topic so please feel free to reach out to him. Mimberium.com. Micah, again, thank you so much. I always value your time. I value your your intelligence, your wisdom, your education. I value growing with you over these years. And I just am grateful that I can say to my community that I know someone like you and know that they'll be well taken care of. So
1: thank you. Yeah, of course, man. And hey, I miss you. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen you in person for a long time. So I, I always love talking to you. It was great catching up and I hope it was helpful. Thanks for having me on.
0: You've reached the end of our interview. Whatever it is, remember, taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them, and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website